You are listening to Redefining Disability, an adaptive sports podcast brought to you by Move United. I am your host, Sean Butcher, and I have the privilege of serving as the editor of Move United Magazine, the nation's leading adaptive sports publication. Each week, tune in to hear how sports have made it possible for our nation's adaptive athletes, training tips from the best coaches and program leaders, and news on the latest technology, equipment, and trends in the industry. While in Bahrain in 2001, U.S. Navy Chief Petty Officer Charlene Williams experienced the onset of a detached retina, hearing loss, PTSD, and traumatic brain injury. She has tried a number of adaptive sports, but golf is the one that excites her the most. In addition to maintaining an active lifestyle, she's also working to complete her PhD. So let's chat with her. So Charlene, I normally like to start when I'm interacting with a fellow veteran with the question, why? And, and what is your why? Why did you enlist in, in, in the service? Well, in all honesty, I enlisted because I wanted to be able to go to college and pay for my own college. At the time, my family wasn't necessarily able to afford the college that I wanted. And I had a, my favorite uncle was in the Navy at the time. And he said, you know, the Navy pays for your education. And originally I was going to the Air Force, but every time I would go to the recruiter's office, no one was there. <laughs> it was the Army, it was the Navy, and it was the Marine Corps. And I was like, you know, I don't think I'm going to do well as a Marine and the Army. So I just said, you know what? Hey, I'll do the Navy. And the recruiter was really nice and told me a lot of insight about the things I can do as far as my education. So that was my main reason, because I know that I wanted to go to college. And at that time, my um, grandmother that raised me had just passed. So I wasn't able to afford at the time. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that was one of the reasons why it was important to me, other than a longtime family history with, with service as well. And um, when you were selecting the service, your story is not unique. I've talked to a lot of fellow veterans who, you know, m maybe was intending to go to another branch and the recruiter wasn't there. So boom. <laughs> yeah. They, they something? Something else. <laughs> so yeah. that's interesting. And when you, when you were looking at options within the Navy, what kind of, um, you know, occupational skills or roles were you looking at um, when you, when you signed up? Well, believe it or not, when I first signed up, I was signed up to go in as a corpsman. However, they wanted to make me wait for a year because there was no schools. And then I realized once I got in, that was like a real huge um, area of jobs. So my detailer said, well, you know what? You can always go in as undesignated, which I didn't really know what that was at the time. And you can select your job. So I'm like, OK, you know, that's great. So sure enough, I went in because I know I didn't want to wait around home for a whole year. And that's what I did. I went to boot camp. Afterwards, I went to what they call apprentice school. And from there, I finished top in my class. So from there, I was able to select um, where I wanted to get stationed. And believe it or not, I know I wanted to you know, see the world. So I selected the Philippines and I didn't know anything about it. So I decided, you know, that's where I want to go and start my career. And that's where I went. And even though I was a seaman, I went to a squadron. So automatically I became an airman. And, you know, there I looked at a few jobs that I wanted and I wanted to be an air traffic controller. But since I didn't have the schooling, I couldn't go. Just like you can't go if you're undesignated. So long story short, I end up qualifying for um, and signing up for electrician's mate. So I was a electrician's mate for a while. 
study for the test. I end up uh, making third class. And from there, I asked for my A school. And then, you know, the rest is history. You know, I started going to college while I was in the Philippines. I ended up getting my associate's degree there. And every command that I went to from there, I actually just continued going to school. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so we're I have to back up just a little bit. Where was where was the basic training in your in your advanced training? Okay. Um, originally, females could only go to Orlando. So my basic training was in Orlando, Florida, which I'm very happy for because I don't know how I would have <laughs> did well in Chicago, maybe San Diego, but yes, Chicago. So Orlando, I was there oh, in the summertime, mind. It was very hot. And I'm, I'm from Florida, but, you know, it was like something else to be there. But wonderful experience. I learned a lot while I was there. My dad was a Vietnam that and so he basically gave me the information on how I need to carry myself in boot camp and you know not to get stressed out about different things. So that helped out a lot. And you know, everything worked out really well. So I, I mean, if, if I had to make the choice all over again, I would do it all over again. I did 26 years in the Navy. I mean, I had my ups and downs, but all in all, I was able to see the world. I met so many different people. I learned so many things and I was able to get my education as well. And and I'd love to. I'm always interested in duty stations. So besides the Philippines, where where else were you assigned? I was stationed in Miramar. Believe it or not, I came in the Navy because of the movie Top Gun. <laughs> I <laughs> love that movie Top Gun. So I came in. I was actually there at Miramar in the Top Gun arena. I was their sister company. And then from there, I went to a little island called Diego Garcia, which was literally like Gilligan's Island to me. I was in the best shape of my life there because that's all you could do. Work out, work, and, you know, and that's it. So I was stationed in Bahrain. I, my first ship, I was on the first ship uh, of females. We were on a USS Nassau. And mm. from there, mm-hmm. we went into um, 9-11. So we ended up leaving out. For that uh, six month cruise turned into nine months cruise, which was really um, an eye opener for me because I'd never been on the sea <laughs> on a ship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the first class going to a ship, you know, everybody's like, "You should know this." Well, I didn't because I'd never been on a ship. Because in the aviation community uh, at the time, we weren't allowed females weren't allowed to go on ships. So all my sea duty at the time was overseas. I was stationed in Japan. Did a lot of detachments to Korea, Thailand. Malaysia, you know, all those different places I was able to do detachments with, but I wasn't actually able to get stationed on a ship. So that was some of the things that I dealt with uh, during my first career. Yeah, until I went, I went to special programs. From there, I went to Norfolk as I went as in the brig. I was a brig chaser, as they call. So I went to security school in San Antonio. Then I worked at the brig for three years. And after that, you know, I end up um becoming a facilitator for drug alcohol counselors. So I went to that school, which I loved. I enjoyed that. Every every uh, month we would go from Naples to Siganilla to Bahrain uh, to La Mata, Italy, and we would facilitate. So that was like a great experience for me to be able to go around the different areas and facilitate uh, drug alcohol classes, um, equal opportunities, and stuff like that. Oh, that is a unique, uh, unique pivot and and a know, right? <laughs> trajectory of a career within the all within the yeah. Navy, right? I think some people don't realize all, particularly outside the service, all yes. the different opportunities and occupations within the military service. So you got to experience yeah. a number of those. How I was it? And you're right. A lot of people brig? don't realize that. Go ahead. Yeah. How was the brig? You know, I always tell each 
everyone that the brig was an eye opener for me in particular because I honestly did not realize a lot of things that went on in the civilian sector actually happened in the military. So I was able to learn, oh, wow, so the military is not really much different from the civilian sector. I mean, because we had we had thieves, we had murderers, we had pedophiles, we had the same thing that happened in civilian war. So, yeah, um, I must admit, initially, I wasn't really happy um, spending the night overnight at the brig, four on, four off. I did that for a year and I ended up being able to come to what they call day shifts. So I was a day worker and I worked at, in the vault. So that was actually perfect. So I enjoyed that. And that allowed me to go to college more. So also I ended up getting my bachelor's while I was there at the brig. So I was happy about that. And, you know, I uh, encourage anyone that's in the military, if you're able to go outside of your job and do different jobs, that's really also a plus for me. It helped me to, you know, actually, you know, learn different cultures, learn different jobs, and, you know, just learn about different different environments and different people. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that I had that opportunity to go to special programs. And I thank my detailers for that because a lot of times individuals in the military don't get the opportunity works outside of their job. And I was able to do that on numerous occasions. Yeah, I had a, a couple opportunities to take advantage of that. I um, was assigned as our CEO's, our company commander's driver for a little while. I okay. you know, had the opportunity to um, uh, assist a, an at-risk youth program, kind of a deterrent uh, program oh, wow. for at-risk youth um, at, a, at a kind of a, a, as a little mini, not, not drill instructor, but like a kind of along those lines. Um, yes. So, you know, taking advantage of opportunities and unique exactly. opportunities that expand your knowledge and awareness and uh, of of not only service opportunities, but just the, the world in general, right? Yeah, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And like I said, Mom, we were the first set of females on the ship, so that worked out. I actually was um, the president of the First Class Association, which allowed me to be my SEALs um, bridge talker. I, at first, I didn't know anything about that, of course. But that was exciting to be able to be on the bridge doing evolutions and just seeing everything that goes on. I I really um, learned to appreciate individuals that actually had been doing a lot of time on the ship because, like I said beforehand, I didn't know about any of those. I didn't know about the different evolutions that go on during sea, you know, like the changing of the mail coming in, you know, when you're out to sea, you know, getting your, your, your gas and your oil and your, you know, just your foods that come on board. And that was just so neat to experience that and to be on board with all of the individuals from different rates. Cause on the bridge, you have every different rate on there. And that was nice to see some of the junior sailors and all that they do and realize they're the one that's actually really steering the ship and everything. You know, the seal is up there, but it's just so neat to see how he gives all those individuals those opportunities. I had a wonderful first seal on the ship. And actually from that command, I actually made sailor of the year. I was the first female sailor of the year on that ship. And that was just something that I actually wanted. When I took orders there, I said, you know, my goal is to get my aviation warfare pin, my service warfare pin, because I didn't have an opportunity to get those and to make sailor gear. You know, did I really think that was going to happen? You know, I was praying that it would and it, it did. So that was actually um, one of the best jobs. I would say was one of the hardest jobs being on that ship, but it was one of the best jobs and I uh, had the most opportunities because I was in a department with some wonderful senior leadership that assist me throughout my career. And even after I left the ship, you know, I hadn't had that type of leadership before I went to the ship. 
So that was really a wonderful experience for me. That's awesome. And when you took that oath of office, did you anticipate staying 26 years? I did not. I (laughs) said I was going to do four years, get my GI Bill, and I was going to get out. But you know what? I must admit, you know, time went by so fast and it was just such a wonderful time. I enjoyed what I was doing. I remember speaking to my uncle at the time that was in the Navy. And he says, you know, you do realize what are you going to do when you get out of something to go to college? He said, well, can't you do that while you're in? And I was like, you know what? So I did. And I, I was actually fortunate enough at every different command to be able to attend college. And, you know, I... I'm happy about that. You know, it it took me a long time to start advancing because I was so um, thinking about getting my degree out of the way. But once I did, you know, finish my master's, I decided, you know, it's time for me to buckle down and start um, working on my actual career, which I did. Um, At the very end of my last command, I decided I wanted to work on my my doctoral, which I'm in my dissertation process now. And it's been it's been really difficult. But like I say, had I not joined the Navy, I wouldn't have been able to afford any of these things. Right. That's why I say, you know, despite all the different things that went on in my career, I would not change a thing because I wouldn't make me the person I am today. And I wouldn't give up that different experience and all those different meetings of everyone and all the things that I have now because of that. Yeah, I was able to get my bachelor's degree at, at you know, no charge. Uh, and I, yes. like, like you, I don't know if I would have been able to afford uh, college, and I was the first in my family to to, to get a uh, a degree as well. But so yeah, I was able to get my bachelor's degree with uh, at you know with Same no here. debt with no debt. And isn't that and, beautiful? Uh, yeah, that's a beautiful <laughs> beautiful thing, right? Yes. And since you talked about education, I wanted I wanted to kind of go through that uh, okay. journey as well. So like, yes. um, what did you get your bachelor's degree in? What kind of interests and, and topics were you looking to explore from an educational perspective? Okay, so my my bachelor's is in counseling, my master's in organizational counseling, and my doctoral is going to be in education. But I will tell you why. Initially, I wanted to to be in psychology. I did my internship at like a a mental health center I volunteered for. And it was um, it was really nice, but it was a little um, hectic sometimes because some of my clients that I dealt with would see things and hear things that I didn't see and hear. And I was like, you know, this is different, but I understood why some of them were having these different issues. And that was an eye opener also. And I realized, you know, I think that I would fare better in the educational realm because I was so interested in learning about that. And I would like to be in the educational realm so I can actually help others, you know, educate because education is really important. Mm-hmm. And especially with all the different changes that's going on today, uh, I'm still in awe that they don't teach cursive writing anymore. But I mean, <laughs> so I just felt that I would uh, be better off in the educational realm. I actually did a stint at South University um, and I ta- actually I taught criminal justice there because of my brig background. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed it. Um, so I said, you know, I would love to if I could do anything, I would love to do online teaching. I would love to do that because I just, I have this uh, insatiable appetite for education. And I just feel like that's one thing that no one can take from you. And that's one thing you can continue doing your entire lifetime, no matter how old you are. You know, you could mm-hmm. still learn. It's, it's it's there to learn. And I love that. So when will I have to call you Dr. Williams? Well, as soon as, <laughs> as, soon as I actually get everything approved on my dissertation, 
Yeah. Oh, so, so you're you're in the you're in the final stages, yeah. huh? I'm in my final stage. I'm actually in my third phase now. I have two more phases to go, and pray that I you know I get approved and get my IRB because I still have to have individuals that I do interviews on. And once mm-hmm. I do that and get approved, um, we'll get to publish my dissertation. So right now I have a wonderful chair and a wonderful um, URM, and they are just like very helpful. And I'm glad because initially I did not have that. And I mean, it's just like, it's been so amazing. So I have no complaints about that. I'll be very pleased once that happens. I will tell you, it's been a long journey. I don't know what I was thinking about when I decided to do that. But <laughs> I just, um, I went to like an orientation at Savannah University one year. And it was a lot of doctoral students. And I was just amazed at some of these young, these youth that knew exactly what they wanted to do with their future. I said, you know what? I think I'm going to apply for the doctoral program. And I did. And, you know, now that I started, I'm like, I need to finish this because I'm one of the type of people that I don't like to start something and not finish. So that's what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. So after you do finish, do you have a, a, either something specifically in mind that you want to teach or do? I would like to I would like to actually do some online um, teaching because I like to travel a lot. I like to, I have a lot of organization I'm involved in. I love to golf. I'm really into adaptive sports and adaptive mm-hmm. golf. So that's something that I would like to do and be able to do the other things that I do as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So online teaching allows that uh, allows a lot of flexibility then for, yes, for the yes. things that you want to do. I'm so glad yes. you mentioned sports because I wanted to pivot to sports. Okay. And growing up, were you were, were there were sports part of your life? Were you active yes. in any particular? Yes, sports? I was very active in track, track and field. <laughs> One of my favorite. Sports back then was track and field. I really loved it. I actually wanted to play basketball, but I wasn't good at it. But I was good at track and field. So I loved, I loved that. And I also um say that's one of the main reasons I did so well in boot camp because I was in shape <laughs> after school from, you know, yeah. So boot camp was a was a, a walk in the park as far as exercising for me. Um all of the other disciplines, maybe not, but as far as the um exercising, that was uh really important to me. And I I think uh that's very important. You know, even now, you know, I'm trying to do little things, you know, like being a part of different programs that offer it. So, yeah. And obviously with track and field, there's track and field. Were you involved with both or were you kind of more on the track side or the field side? On the most, on, on mostly the, uh, the track side. Yeah, okay. the track side. But I and still love it. Every time I get or... opportunity, I'll go to the pin relays because uh-huh. it's just so awesome. You know, you see all ages. And if I'm riding down the street and I see a track meet or something, I stop. <laughs> it's just automatic, like stop. So I think that's uh, something that I always will love. Even though I love other sports, that's just something that's just, you know, inbred in me, I guess. And do you like the short distance or long distance or something in between? I like both, but I'm not really good at the long distance. Although I did the 440, anything more than that, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know what? I must admit, I really have been trying to get myself to where I can do like maybe a, a marathon. I know I have to work up to that because I still ooh, I have to still do some more things to get towards that. But I love I love stuff like that. I know it's it's really a, a good thing, but I like to walk more than run now. <laughs> mm-hmm. I do a lot of walking on the golf course. <laughs> yeah, I said after I said after my military days, I was done with running. <laughs> <laughs> so walking, walking no, I understand. Is perfect, walking is perfectly fine, but running, yeah, yes, no. yes, exactly. So you, were, you were more of a sprinter and and a quick uh, uh, track athlete then. Yeah, I was more of a runner in that. No, no, uh, t- not really, really long distance. I couldn't do that, but 
definitely the 220, 440, something like that. And I was in a lot of uh, mild Middle East, something like that. Yeah, those were really nice. And, and how did you get involved in adaptive sports? I actually became involved in adaptive sports because um, when I retired, I was like pretty, like I don't maybe like a lot of individuals don't really know what you want to do with your life. At the time, I knew I didn't want to work, but I knew that I had to get myself out of the house and find some type of hobby. So I ended up, I was in Florida because I'm originally from Florida. And I went to one of the golf courses there and they were they were doing golf. I didn't really know it was adaptive golf. And then I saw individuals that were in wheelchairs, you know, some that were uh, had different things like um, missing limbs. And I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing because I had not heard about the sport and I was amazed and I was just so touched. And I wanted to be involved in because a lot of people, when they think about uh, different wounds in the military, they they only think about the things that they can see. They don't think about the invisible wounds that we have, you know, TBIs, you know, like I have a TBI, I'm deaf in both ears, you know, and just have a detached retina, stuff like that. And I said, well, will I be able to play? So yeah, you know, you will qualify as well. So I began with that group. I had a wonderful mentor at the time, Ken Yoon. He passed of cancer. It was really sad, but beforehand, he taught me so much he taught me so much. And, you know, I just got involved with someone else named David Windsor. He's in the um, Georgia Golf Course Association. And he just said, hey, you know what? He groomed me and helped me to get involved with more adaptive sports. And that's how it all started. I just fell in love with it. I tell everyone that golf literally saved my life. And I say that because when you're on a golf course, Sean, I'm telling you, you just you just never know what it is that you're going to see. And, you know, you figure you're out there for at least three or four hours because you don't know how how the pace is going to go. And you meet so many wonderful people. You see so many different wildlife. And even by doing golf, I fell in love with the whole aspect of the golf arena, like everything about it, you know, like the grass, you know, the, the trees, you know, everything on how they keep the upkeep of the golf course. And that's why I give so much um, applause to golf course superintendents, because a lot of individuals that play golf don't even think about all that it goes into to take care and maintain a golf course. Mm -hmm. And so when we're out there, it's very important to make sure that you actually take care of those golf courses as well. So that's something that's how I ended up getting involved in that. And it's just been it's been a lifelong love for me. And because of that, it's opened up so many different doors for me as well. And did you golf before or was golf no, a little later in the I did life not. edition? Okay. I did not. And I always I laugh because I'm like, I cannot believe I did all that time in the military, did not golf. And I live between two golf courses. So go figure. But mm -hmm. you know what? I'm telling you what I always say that maybe it wasn't this right time. I may, have, I may have not appreciated it as much as I do now because I greatly appreciate the game because the one thing I like about it, it doesn't discriminate. You can play the game of golf from the age of zero to 30, 30, 40, 50, up to 100. And guess what? You don't have to be able to see. You don't have to be able to hear. You don't, you know, you can be in a wheelchair. I mean, I just think that it's amazing because what other sport can you think of that you can do all those things? And so yeah. that's why I love the sport. And, you know, I applaud whoever came up with adaptive golf. And it's just it's just wonderful. And I love all the other adaptive sports. That's why I'm so I was so happy to get involved with Move United. <laughs> mm -hmm. And and what uh, I mean, what is it about actually the sport itself, though? Like what like why do you 
you know, why do you go out on the course, you know, on a regular basis and, 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 and have this, this, this club, what I call a stick and, and hit a ball and then chase the ball. (laughs) You know, believe it or not, you would not believe how hard it is to hit a golf ball but it is very hard and it's all about you know getting that contact it's not necessarily getting it where it needs to go just being able to get that contact with the ball and then it's like it's a sport that it's just you you know even if you're not playing with them you don't need anyone to play with and you're out there with yourself and I'm able to just gather my thoughts gather my feelings and I'm just it's just me and myself you know I can it's like meditating it's like doing yoga you know it's like refreshing so it's like I believe like golf is able to like breathe life into individuals and that's what it did to me so you know if you're not if you're like in a bad mood or whatever you go out to the golf course oh nothing even matters nothing matters when you're out there and I might you might see some beautiful deer you might see some turkeys you don't know what you'll see out there and that to me that's just so beautiful different uh, set up because all golf courses have surprises. I say you, you never know what type of golf course it's going to be and how it's going to be built, and they're just beautiful. And I just I love that, and it's just so surreal for me. Yeah, and you you mentioned surreal and relaxing. To me, it's frustrating. I mean, so <laughs> so it's kind of it like can be. It can exactly, if you allow exactly. it to, Sean. If you allow it to, I t- I always say I've never left a golf course upset, and I say that because first of all, a I'm not competing with anyone except myself. Two, I'm not getting paid for this, and I just think it's such a beautiful sport that there's no reason to get upset about it. You know, even if you don't make that shot, it's like okay, now I know what I need to work on. You know, even if I can't get it, it, it's something about being able to go out there and do it again and again and again. And I love that. It's that repetition. And yes, it can be competitive for some. I'm not a competitive player because I can barely get my short game sucks. I'll just tell you that. But but my long game is good. I'm still working on my short game after all this time. But you know what? I, I just love it. And I always tell just try to give it a give it a chance and try it. You may like it. You may not. But. I fell in love with it. I really did. And I've met some wonderful people through the game of golf. Yeah. And you mentioned just being outdoors and in nature and seeing wildlife. I know like in the South, I've seen gators on. Oh, it's on, a lot of gators out there. On, you on know, golf courses. If my ball goes into the water, I let it stay. I see I see alligators all the time, depending on the golf course you're on. And that's uh-huh. why it's, sometimes it's difficult for me when I'm in another state and I'm near water. I'm like, okay, they, I know there's no gators here, but just in case it's water. <laughs> I think about Florida. It's like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of gators in Florida. So I don't know. But yeah, you you do see a lot of um, gators there, so you probably want to keep your eye out for that. But some areas they have bear, they have you know bobcats. I mean, you just never know what you'll see. Snakes, you don't know what you'll see on the golf course. That's true, and I I know that you're like you like you've already talked about uh, pretty active in golf. So where has golf taken you? What are some of the what are some of your most? Well, memorable I will tell you. Um, my very first event I went to, it was called National Golf Day. They have it every year in Washington, D.C. And it's like maybe a three-day affair. We do a community event. My first one, we did a community event. We actually um, planted some flowers out. And I'm telling you, after what you learn about all of the, the things about what's going on with the different bills that are being passed on golf, and just to try to find out what you can do to assist with all of the congressmen and women in Senate up there in DC. And it's always nice because you get to meet with your specific district. 
So whoever you are from Florida, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, maybe your state. What state are you in, Sean? I'm in Maryland. Okay, you know, it's up there. So in Maryland, you know, and all the different states get to get with their representatives and talk about and discuss all of the different things that are going on, you know. And I think that's wonderful because beforehand, I didn't even know about all of these different things, all of these different things that go on in the golf arena. And when I was there, I met uh, a gentleman named Jim Beatty, and he actually is my CEO that helped me out to be a part of the African-American Golf um, Expo. And I tell you what, that was that was the beginning. You know, I met a young uh, a fellow named um, Craig Kirby, Dr. Mike Cooper, um, and they just they just helped me along, and it was just like so beautiful. I met one of the first agricultural presidents at the time, Jan Bell She was, and she is just amazing. I mean, Steve Mona, I met these individuals that just helped me out with my career. And after that, I ended up getting involved in the golf course superintendent. I met um, a young man named Red Evans, and he just uh, opened it, opened my eyes to a lot of different things. And it's just so many wonderful people in that arena that I just I just applaud when it comes to this because, you know, every, everyone takes it really serious and you should because it's just like so much. I um, became an ambassador with the golf association as well. Um, Michael Lee is the one that assisted me with that. And I mean, it's just like, I have another mentor that's in Orlando named David Robinson. And it's just, it's just wonderful, Sean, to, to be involved in all of these different things. But that's, that was my first actual eye opener. And every year, you know, we go to the PGA um, show there and conference in Florida and Orlando. It's every year. And we learn so much. We have now what we do is we do a diversity task board. And it's like where we get together with everyone and let them know exactly all of the things that are going on. And we talk about the different issues and try to, you know, rectify them. And then you just have all of these different policymakers that come in and do these things that we need in the golf arena. Yeah. And um, I know that you've done some things with Move United as well from the, on, on the golf side, um, as well as, you know, with yes. our- uh, our DEI task force and a number of other things. Um, uh, last question I have about your golf game is what are the yeah. things that you personally want to want to work on? What are the things that you always struggle with, particularly with your golf game? With my golf game, I particularly struggle with my putting. Okay. I don't know what it is about my putting, but I would love to be able to perfect that because I say that because it doesn't matter how well I drive the ball down. If I can't get it in the hole, it, it means nothing. You know, that's right. points taken off, you know, so I'm trying to get better than a par or I don't want any bogeys for sure. So that is something that I, I've been struggling with, Sean. I, it's, it's kind of irritating, I must admit. Yeah. <laughs> it's it it very irritating. It sounds like it would be <laughs> the I don't easiest, give up, you right? know, I'm still trying. Um, but that is something that I do struggle with is my putting. I don't know. It, it sounds like it'd be the easiest because it's the shortest. Of you would the distance, think. You would think. Distance. Yeah. For me, it's not. <laughs> it might be the, it might be, I think it's just mental at that point, right? It's the stress of, yeah. uh, you know, I need to be able to get this in or if I don't get this in, you know? Yeah. But I, yeah. I, I, I know how you feel. Cause I just, I don't golf much, but I do play miniature golf and just, yeah, yeah. just the short distances. It's just that it's that too much, too much pressure. And I've never played miniature golf. I heard if you play that, you could probably be really good at putting. So I see, there you golf, go. You know, go to like, a couple miniature golf. Had I known I didn't be out there doing some putt putt golf, you know. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And Charlene, you mentioned a couple that you've done some other adaptive sports as well. What are some of the other ones that you like to do? Um, I actually went with uh, Move United to do the um, wheelchair uh, adaptive, and I really enjoyed that. Um, I haven't actually did one of the tournaments yet, so I'm waiting for my name to come up. But that was really wonderful because it reminded me of um, wheelchair rugby. I went to an organization once called Oscar Mike, and I met a lot of individuals that played wheelchair rugby, wheelchair basketball. And so I was so happy to hear that they're doing wheelchair football because I love football. I'm a Buccaneer fan. We're we're trying right now. Don't laugh right now. (laughs) But I just I love the fact that that it's like open to everyone. And it's so exciting. And that I tell you what, they're so they're. They're massive out there on that on that Don Fear planet. And I just love it. The energy, the energy is just like so amazing. And so I love to see it. And I, I just want to be more involved with it. And I love that every state now is starting to get their own team. And, and you do you realize every year they have a, they go to the Super Bowl. They have a Super Bowl and everything. And so when I heard about it, I was like, oh, I would love to, you know, assist in that because it was like so exciting. And, you know, like I said, I, I just love the fact that they have adaptive sports, you know, whatever that sport, I think it's wonderful because I think everyone should be able to play the sport that they love, you know, because a lot of people don't realize they can do anything after certain things happen. And it's like, hey, we have this, this and this for you. And you may not even know about it because I didn't know about the, uh, the football until I saw that message. I was like, oh, this is wonderful. I'd like to get involved in that. Because my son, you know, all growing up, he played sports. You know, I had to learn my football through my son. And so that was wonderful. And that is one of the things that I really like about them. Um, (laughs) I said I want to go up. I like the uh, we went rock climbing. Adaptive Mm -hmm. rock climbing was amazing when I went to educational conference last year. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Right. I went to, right. I did that class. Yeah, I went to that class and that was fun. And I say that because I like rappelling. Of course, it's different from rock climbing, but mm-hmm. it was so nice. And uh, I, I did OK, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, is there anything else that we've not uh, talked about that you'd like to share? Well, I just um, like the fact that uh, there's so many um, diverse things that are that are out here for everyone in the adaptive world. I'm so happy that Move United has um, allowed me to be a part of it. I'm so happy to be a part of the diversity task force. And it was so beautiful because I met you, Sean. And I just think it's wonderful. I mean, I remember every time I get the magazine, I was like, Sean just outdoes himself. Every time he outdoes himself on these oh, magazine you. articles. And what's wonderful is most of the individuals you have on front, I've, I've met them or know them. And it's like, oh, wow. You know, I met them at some type of convention or some school I was in. And I love that because there's just so many amazing individuals involved in the program. And I love your articles. I, I just want to applaud you for that because you do some wonderful art articles. Well, and I thank you so much for letting me be a part of this. I just, that's all. I mean, I just, I love this. I do. And I love giving back. I love being a part of volunteering because I realize there's so many individuals out there, you know, that need it, you know, mm-hmm. and just maybe something I say can help someone. And because there's a lot of things that people have said and done that helped me and they may have not known. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you. Yeah, I appreciate you thanking me, but I want to thank you one for your passion and enthusiasm for adaptive sports and for all you do for everyone else. So th- thanks for being my guest. Thank you. Thank you so much.